With the Quicksilver card from Capital One, you earn unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase. Unlimited? Unlimited? Unlimited! 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 Anyway you say it, earning unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase just sounds good. Capital One, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? Capital One Bank USA NA. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. This is one-on-one with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is one-on-one with Jasper Cole. Woohoo! All right, howdy, 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 and welcome to one-on-one with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and we are live today at Temple Bay Studios right here in Hollyweird, California. And um, please go to social media and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's Jasper Cole says S A Y S. You can go to Facebook. It's Jasper Cole. There's going to be a lot of Jasper Cole here. There's JasperCole.com. There's a link on my website for the show, One on One with Jasper Cole. And also all the uh, archive shows are there. I wanted to say also yesterday was National Radio Day. And um, I wanted to give a shout out to Ralph Cole Jr. and Dara Zane Scully, who used to be my co-host before I fired them um, on the other show and also uh, Dominic Friesen John Williams and Brandon Brewer my producers and all my loyal listeners for the last almost nine years now um, sometimes it can be a lonely job sitting in the booth but I always have a guest and that brings me to today's very special guest I'm really excited because he's a member of the Newman Thomas management family and he is all the way here from New York City visiting and working Mr. Daniel Matura hey buddy hello Great Welcome. We finally see each other face to face. I know, I know. The last time Dan was in town, I didn't get to see you because I'm out in Palm Springs. And mm-hmm. then it's so weird because I'm here all the time. And then sometimes it seems like yeah. I, I don't get in. When, we're, we're good on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram, like which really is like, the way most relationships are. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 But the distance can be healthy. You're here a lot. <laughs> yeah, you have family yeah, here. Back and forth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So welcome, uh, Daniel, everybody. Where can everyone find you on social media? or? I am on Instagram at djm2124. Perfect. Search for me. Yeah. They can just find you there. Yeah. Um, Daniel is an actor, a writer, a producer, a director, the caterer. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? <laughs> Bartender. Bartender. <no>. Um, <laughs> Back from, in the day. From Texas, mm-hmm. originally. Tell Dallas, everybody Texas. like your journey, like where this began. You grew up in Texas. I grew up in Texas and uh, went to school in New York City from Dallas from to Dallas. Manhattan. Yeah. And then I was right in the middle of it, really, from when I went to school. Right. So it was like, you know... Um, writing and acting and producing shows off Broadway and from theaters, you're yeah. a great love of yours, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was doing Mine that too. in high school. So right. I was like going to ask you. Yeah. So is that when it, the bug kind of bit you? Was in high school? Well, you know, I started as a musician. I played the piano since I was four years old, and so I was performing I didn't know that. from. A, 
from wow. a young See? age. And even I'm learning yeah. something new today. I, you know, people always asked me about public speaking because I would, you know, speak, and I was like, well, when I was four, I was in front of people playing, <laughs> and I just you? thought it was What's normal. What's wrong with you? Yeah, like I, I would, I would give concerts, and I had all the music memorized, and I, you know, did the bows, and I was dressed up. I had so, no idea. This is a whole new side of you. Yeah, and I played the oboe as well, and oh so then God. I kind of, you know, was interested then in musical theater was right. kind of like a bridge, a natural sort of. And then I did musical theater, and I, I said, well, I actually really like the like other parts of this, you know, right. music kind of got me into it. And I, you know, thought more about performing from, from that. So, you know, and then I was in high school and I was like acting in and writing and producing plays. Right, and so right. it, I, you know, it's like, I was just sort of always doing it, that. It was it sort of natural. Of, yeah. It was yeah. starting out in musical theater and so performing was a natural thing. Yeah. What, do you have that in your family at all? Or are you sort of like the lone no, performer I, in the family? Just me. Yeah. So I, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, yeah. I think maybe that's that's part of it. It's mm -hmm. like being the the only one, you right? Know? It's like, did you growing up were there TV and film films that you really liked or TV shows that sort of influenced you? Were you into TV and film at all, or was it more theater in the beginning? I you know, I always loved movies, and right. I would I loved um, watching you know three to four movies a day during the summer. Wow. If I stayed home during the summer and just watched movies right. back to back. Um, I, I always loved it. I never saw much of a difference, really. Mm -hmm. I guess because I'm not on the technical side. Right. You know, just so as a performer, if you're writing, I, you know, just sort of thought about what's the best way to tell a story, if it's theater or film. And I didn't have to, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not a DP. I don't know about right, the, right. You're not that looking kind of at it technically, like setting yeah, up the shots and yeah, stuff. And, yeah. And in both theater and film, I've always really respected the people that, you know, the lighting designers that do these like amazing things. All and, the different departments. Because yeah. it is a collaboration. A lot of people forget. Yeah. And they have amazing skills that I, I don't have. And right. so, <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I always say, you know, actors are, we're important in the storyline mm -hmm. and we're important in the, in the will, but we're really like way down on the bottom. I know. A lot of I actors know. need to remember that yeah. when they start misbehaving on sets. Oh my gosh. And you know, a lot of the, the magic is really elsewhere, yeah. you know, so yeah. acting yeah. is sometimes being the simplest, you know, part of the puzzle, right? And just doing your job and saying the lines, and then you know everything else is everything happening else around happens you. Around. Yeah. So, were you more into comedies growing up in terms of uh, films, or there certain? Did you now? You're well. I feel like you're in your you, late twenty. How old are, do we talk yeah, about? Yeah, that? yeah, okay. yeah. Late twenty. So I'm, tr I'm just trying to think of like what movies were coming up during that time when you were. Uh, well, you in, know, it's funny. I feel like television when I was growing up was mostly comedies. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, like the all sitcoms, the great sitcoms. I mean, I remember um, Frasier and Friends mm. and um, Seinfeld and Seinfeld. Yeah. And so television, the, these cable dramas didn't no. really exist. Mm -mm. And then we still had mainly the network shows and we had HBO Showtime. We hadn't, yeah. we hadn't gotten into the streaming. Yeah. yeah. All the 95 choices of places now yeah. all the platforms yeah so i feel like then film you know obviously it was like the golden age of like miramax at that time right. so i actually really oh. loved all of, <laughs> of yeah. Weinstein. Yeah, yeah but the those prestige mm -hmm. um dramas you know so it was kind of this weird balance of like going to the movies was to see the quality the, sort of the like, hours or something right yeah. and then you had you had the but ironically like i said these were like the quality comedies at the day of the day also. Yeah. 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 Expertly written and performed right. comedies. So right. yeah. And so when you 
went to school. You went to college in mm-hmm. at NYU or Columbia. Columbia. Yeah. So is that, had that been a goal of yours? Did you know early on I'm going to probably go to to New York when you were in high school? How did did you apply mm. to different schools or? I applied to schools in New York and LA and pay your way in. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't need it. No, (laughs) No, I know you didn't need it. (laughs) Um, No, I, I, um, I think really I went there because it was in New York city. Mm -hmm. So that was the the choice and to experience um, New York city. Uh, You had always been sort of drawn to knowing you were going to go. You had obviously been there growing up a lot or I, I visited one time oh, that's before it? I went. Yeah. Oh, see, I had this vision of you like going every summer with the family to see Broadway and stuff like that. No, visited one time and saw Sweeney Todd and wow. that was it. Oh, wow. That was my So only you kind of did arrive just sort of, it was a fresh yeah. experience yeah. for you. Into I, Manhattan. <laughs> and you've kind of fell in love with the city, right? Yeah. Well, you can, it has everything. So yeah. it's... Well, it's... Now, remember, you know, New York is like... Well, LA and New York especially, there's always been that sort of like people... I love them both. Mm. But there's for years, there's been the New Yorkers hate LA and a lot of LA people don't get quite get New York. I think they exist in that sort of like combination you know so you can be in one and hate the other and right. be in the other and you know they sort of allow you if you have them both and you right. can sort of like go I mean, back and forth good and, and they, bad to both yeah you know they but, set each other off in a great way i think and well in terms of the industry now um you know for many many years la california was more like tv and film mm. uh, i think new york now has like 25 26 television shows but you know atlanta has even more mm. so it's funny how Atlanta, the Southeast is now sort of trumped. Oh God, no pun intended. Mm. It's sort of taken over for where even what New York had yeah. in terms of TV and film. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of your career now, like so when you when you came to the city, you started doing after college. You started doing theater. Yeah, even during college. Even actually, during. Yeah. So you actually yeah. started during. What was your major in college? Art history. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And you sort of still work in that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's bit, yeah. very much like um, it was. A, it was a good education because it was about artists and you know right. artists finding their identity and how you make a stamp visually and all of that. So right. you know, it reminded me a lot, and I took a lot of um, theater classes as uh-huh. well. So it wasn't just art history, but right, that's right, where my right. major ended up. Yeah. And so, were you doing off Broadway or off off Broadway in college? Yeah, or? yeah even when I was um, a senior. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, so I kind of you know, figuring that stuff out by the time. Yeah. And, and are you still to this day close to, do you have like collaborations with other people from college in New York or is that sort of, I do actually. Yeah. yeah. I I really just maybe one person that I've worked with a lot. So yeah. yeah. Great. Well, I know you've done a lot of theater, but more in the last few years you ventured into film. Yeah. So talk about some of the early projects that you did that you yeah. want to, we really want to get yeah. to and promote. Yeah, it was part of a great um, short called The Hobbyist. Right. We just had our 100th like, festival screening, which was great. Not that I went to all 100, but the no, producer, but the our producer did. He Really? He did, yeah. He and did. He's been, wow. he's, you know, amazing. Um, his name is David Mayer of Airbed 
productions is great. And he's like really been on the case. And um, so, you know, we've showed up and we had a screening in Williamsburg and wow. it was, it was wonderful to see Because I don't it. know, a lot of people may not understand that the, the festival world is a world among, among itself, right? Mm. I mean, there's a whole thing. There's hundreds of festivals. Yeah. And it's a great community. You can meet mm-hmm. other filmmakers, actors, right. um, networking, and, you know, and it, but it takes a long time. So you right. film something and then, you know, we were watching it and it's like a time capsule. You're like, oh my You're gosh, like, oh my, my God, hair was, was different. And team there. That's what I do with yeah. film and TV too. But tell everyone what The Hobbyist is about. What's so, the story? Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a crime thriller. It's based on a short story by Frederick Brown. And really the script is very much like the short story. It fits on a single eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Very simple um, about a man who goes to this uh, druggist who is known in the area to have an undetectable, untraceable poison. But then there's like two or three great twists in all of six minutes um, <laughs> to what happens. Um, and uh, I guess you would say the genre is kind of a neo-noir. Mm-hmm. It uh, does have a very thriller. film noir yeah. quality to it. You're yeah. really great in it. So oh, thank you. You had the longer hair then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's funny watching it now and I meet people and yeah, I'm. You know, my co- there were really just two actors, and my co-star Robert looks exactly the same. And they don't he, know who you are. People come up to him, and they're like, "Oh my God, you were amazing!" And they're like, "Oh, nice to meet you." And I'm like, and "You're like oh. I'm in the movie. You just saw me." <laughs> yeah, they don't recognize. You. And then yeah, I it's say a totally that, different and look. I say that, and then they're like, "Oh, that was a great wig." And I'm like, "No, it wasn't a wig." <laughs> <laughs> well, they just assume because you have your hair short now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, was it a great part to play for you? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, it. In every possible way. Yeah. yeah, it was so much fun. And really because, you know, so uh, my co-star Robert, and it's basically just the two of us is the film, he's um, in his 70s. Mm-hmm. So there's this great contrast a great between us. and to him Yeah, also. and he's got a very different kind of style of acting as well. And so I think, you know, sort of a generational difference. And these two people who are antagonists, it works really well. And right. we had fun together because we make totally different choices. choices. Yeah, and, um, and I think we really kind of like, played off each other well because like you know the way he likes to take his like really big pauses, pauses. and kind of chew on some lines and it works and i that's just not my did you guys thing. rehearse was we there did. a lot of rehearsal for this sort of like a little play or we did a couple mini play we had a couple of read-throughs which i liked like you know a couple weeks before mm-hmm. and we had some time in the space and we actually kind of blocked um, it out we blocked it out and we we had some time to kind of like there's some actually some stuff we cut on mm-hmm. set and we're, right. we're both kind of like well we don't need this or um there's a couple there's one part there's actually ad lib that was like a little monologue and so it was fun to do that you know knowing the character knowing it yeah yeah how long was the shoot it was like three days three days yeah 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 but you know long uh, days well yeah because yeah. i mean I, I always say you know whether you're shooting a short or a full length you, you you give it the same amount of attention and dedication mm. Mm. it's shot the same way you just do it in less yeah. amount of time yeah um how did that project come to you did, just, just through a straight it. audition agent audition the, really just the regular old yeah the other regular way right yeah 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 now so you've you've produced theater as well yeah is that something you're still interested in doing um, it's yeah, a lot my, of work, my, my own projects and yeah. yeah, I think, um, at least, you know, being involved as a producer mm-hmm. in my own projects and, you know, maybe not totally taking all the work and shepherding them, but definitely right. having that piece just so creatively to have that control as a, as a producer, right. um, I think is really important in theater, uh, you know, because in theater you have something that's going to premiere once it happens 
you know, maybe sometimes just once, whereas a film, you know, films get rediscovered right. later in a director, or actor's career. Yeah. And so theater, it's like very particular in, in how it's presented, how that first week, the opening night, the previews, the, the reviews. you know, very sensitive. Yeah. yeah. So I think you really have to have some ownership over it. Right. Um, or else, you know, there's missed opportunities. Things open at the wrong time or that, you know. But as an actor, I always say there's nothing like doing a play because, you know, when the curtain goes up and it's rarely in TV and film do we get to like sustain a performance mm. for from for two hours. Yeah. Even if you're just in and out. Um, so from an acting point of view, for me, theater is everything, mm. you know, because it's not, you. we have more control in on the stage because it's us even you've even though you've rehearsed and you've taken the director's notes yeah. by the time opening night happens it's it's your show it's yeah. your baby yeah. and every night it's a different audience so it feels mm. like it's a different kind of uh play it would almost be like if you shot the movie every day differently <laughs> it would be different you know yeah. but i mean it's you know it's hard to for me, it's hard to find the time now to do a play because mm -hmm. I do the TV and film stuff. So it's kind of, yeah. like you have to sort of find time to do it. Um, but so anyway, so you now have another new project. Mm -hmm. Tell everyone about that. Yeah. So it's just been released on, um, it's available on Amazon, Amazon, Amazon Prime uh, for free. And it's called Loyalty, um, right. which um, I'm acting in and wrote. And this is with one of my collaborators, actually, that we met in school, strangely enough, um, who's from L.A., and uh, ironically Lauren, from yeah, LA. Yeah, Lauren Schaffel and, and yeah. she's um been on a whole spate of different sitcoms when she was growing up and, and you know, had that that life growing up. She was and, sort of a child actress. Yeah, a child yes. actor and, and is, you know, working regularly now, you know, with me and lots of other people. Yeah. And so it's interesting to like, you know, go to New York and then meet the it's the funny LA how, person. Yeah, she grew up here and she ends up in mm -hmm. New York and then yeah. Yeah. And so it's you, Patrick and Patrick Shane, yeah. Yeah. Um, now Patrick had you known Patrick for a while or is that just um I've known Patrick for like maybe three four years okay yeah Lauren's like at you know longer stage so yeah yeah so how did how did you guys come up with this project with loyalty what was the like genesis for it well I think that you know for me I think as a writer a lot of what I was thinking about I think a lot about language obviously as a writer and and really like a lot of things get filtered through our current state of the Life. world that we yeah. live in um, chaos and I, I say it like that because I, I, I consume a lot of um, news about politics but mm -hmm. I don't like to do things that are like totally on the nose on about the it nose. but sort of um, responding to the way that it affects us as humans right. um, and so you know the, the, the title and the idea of loyalty um, came from you know and we don't want to give airtime to too many things, but you know, this is, I want loyalty. I need loyalty. Oh, I demand loyalty. Sure. You know, the sort of quotes and like, what does that actually mean? And what did that mean to him when he was saying it? And it just sort of meant that you agree with me whenever I'm doing the thing that I'm saying. No matter what. And, and also the sort of mob element of it, which is mm -hmm. maybe the more entertaining element of it when it's good fellows and not our lives. So, you know, right. that was kind of when, um, where, where that came from in the, in the movie is about these sort of like, you know, who is tricking whom and who's allied with whom and the point to where it becomes like a farce, which is, I think what we actually see in our political system is sure. like these people that are, you know, defending and then they leave the administration and then they're like, well, he was the worst person to work with, but I didn't say that. And, you know, and it's right. like, we actually sort Everything's of seeing this off record, play. on record, yeah. off record. Yeah. So really what I was thinking of was the 
absurdity of mm-hmm. that. I think absurdity is the best yeah. word for that to the point of, um, you know, that it's in a very real place and then it becomes kind of like farce and comedy. Well, yeah, it changes throughout your piece also. Yeah. And like you said, what who's really loyal in the mm-hmm. piece and who are they loyal to? And, you and know, what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. And that's kind of a question I ask now, like uh, what, what people... Yeah, are are thinking of that. So yeah. Well, and like you said, even with our the current president we have, mm. I mean, if you depending on who you talk to, there are people that will say, "Well, I'm just happy because my 401k is doing really well. I really don't care about the if what if he's a racist or whatever. Right. Make sure I'm my money's okay. Yeah. And the, you know. Well, there's a very interesting thing about does the end justify the means? Mm-hmm. And most people tell you absolutely not, never. Um, but then you see that <laughs> playing out. Um, it's it's interesting because we're in the middle of it. So I think that the best thing to do is reflect it, to mm-hmm. process it. And then, you know, 10 years from now, we'll look back and see where it is. But right. yeah, and I, I, I don't like things to become strident in any mm-hmm. way and say, well, this is wrong because of this is the way. It's more just like putting a mirror right. up to it. And then, you know, do people find that absurd or do they think that's just reality? You know, it's like there used to be satire and farce. And mm-hmm. now if you do a farce, does it just seem like reality? Is it, the lines are so blurred. Yeah. It's like reality TV has blended into, well, it literally blended into the presidency. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which but, is fascinating in a sociological way. It's mm-hmm. just terrifying to live through it. So, Well, like today they announced the Dances with the Stars cast and Sean mm-hmm. Spicer's in it. The former speaker, uh, you know, uh, press person, the little yeah. midget. The I don't little. know why they just can't have Melissa McCarthy do it. <laughs> Maybe, well, she probably should. Or Kate McKinnon, at least. Maybe if Jeff Sessions ends up on the next cast. Oh my Kate God, someone come, have to carry him. Kate could come in and do that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because as a, as so, someone that was living in New York, you've been in New York, like you said, since college, Yeah, you know, Trump was a fixture in New York, but not in a great way. He was sort of a no. joke, always was a joke. Yeah. It seemed like the bad joke that couldn't become real. Right. Yeah. Although, but, I mean, his, his real heyday was like in the eighties, right? In New really, York. And so, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. even more ironic. Well, it's the apprentice, the celebrity apprentice that sort of put right, him, right. kept him in the, the flyover. I call it the flyover state, the rest right. of America besides the coast, you know, yeah. they sort of believed that that was really him. They mm-hmm. believed he was a successful businessman, which he's not. Yeah. Really wasn't. Well, the power of performance. Right. Yeah. And so they were sort of, and they also believed, like you talk about in loyalty, like whatever he was saying, we're speaking. And then a lot of it was just a, a vote against the other candidate. Right. she was so hated. Right. By many people. So it's like, a lot, I heard a lot of people say to me, well, I hated them both. I just voted for the worst of the two evils. And which like, isn't really? really how life should work, right? I mean, life is supposed to be about like, you know, or they didn't vote. And, yeah, we should be more positive about the universe, I think. And yeah, but I think some worst, people just but... felt like, well, then I'd, I'm just not going to vote because I can't vote for either one. Yeah, and I, I think there's something, you know, one of the things that I think about a lot is is just because we all think about this as, you know, people that create and perform is like, well, what is the nature of engagement? Mm-hmm. And so people are not engaged. They weren't engaged with no. the process. And what engages people? What do they still care about? What right. is like a good message and the importance of really making things that 
that have some kind of a message. And again, not something that's like hitting you over the head, but like that Makes is, you think, yeah. but it doesn't tell you what to think. Right. Which is the key. I and think. I think if people just get back to thinking a little mm-hmm. bit more, then. But sadly, see, mm-hmm. that's the problem. I think I, I actually said on a show recently that, and this is so hype. I mean, this is like hypothetical. It's never mm-hmm. going to happen. But imagine if before you were allowed to vote, like when you registered to vote, you also had to take a test. Mm-hmm. And you have to pass a test to be able to vote. There's basic knowledge oh, I see. Yeah. about our country, our <laughs> government, how it works. I mean, I don't even know if I could pass <laughs> No, but the truth is, it's like when you take your driver's test after mm. you've been driving for 20 years, yeah. you make all the basic mistakes and you're just like, what do you mean? But it, it, it would sort of weed out. It would be... A, I want voting to be a privilege. Right. Not just like everybody can vote because I have a pulse. You well, know, I, that's never yeah. going to happen. Yeah. I always thought it'd be great if they had a questionnaire and it just sort of asked you about yourself and your socioeconomic position and then actually told you who the best candidate for you based, based on, on their platforms would be. Interest. And then you have a choice. But so it's not actually a personality contest. It's like, well, the public positions lean this way. And for you, That's you live in idea. Nebraska and you're, you know, so actually this candidate is the best for you. And it, you live in Nebraska. Yeah. Or we, you live we, in Oklahoma. We sympathize. Or, yeah. <laughs> We've started a telethon for you to get the fuck out. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Besides that, vote for this person. So people would understand if they're voting against their interests or not. Right. You know, to have that information. So, and I don't always know if people have that information. So, who, do you remember who the first president you voted for? Which election was your first uh, first time you voted for, oh, for well, president? Not, I mean, was yeah, it Obama? It was Obama. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that's um, like I've been speaking recently about. So imagine three years ago. So let's say someone that was 18, they're 21 now. Mm -hmm. So this past 2016 was their first election, their first foray into politics. So it must be amazing. I've got friends who have kids that age. Yeah, I could have kids that age. Trying to trying to explain to them that this is really what an anomaly this yeah. really has been. Well, I thought about something really positive about this, mm-hmm. and maybe may not true, but my thought was because I remember, you know, you know, and everyone and the excitement around Obama and all that kind of right. stuff, which was great, and and then I kind of thought, well, for a lot of you know my friends that then that see that that's not always the case, and it's actually would be the same for this eighteen or twenty one right. year old. That then this person who could be voting for the next 50, 60 years mm-hmm. will always remember. remember. And so that like may not we be- can't let that happen yeah, again. Yeah, it may not be much consolation, but you know, Obama was a great example, but it made people complacent because mm-hmm. they're like, well, we've it's done true. this. Racism is over. We've reached the moral arc of history is now. We're and only going to yeah, continue for now. Yeah, and so to have this like, you know, Horrible reminder, reminder, this horrible reminder that people will never forget. And these people who are going to be voting for decades and decades and decades- Great point. Is- maybe something positive to and that bring we out can never it. take it for granted exactly and i hope that they won't and i think i think that's what this whole woke hashtag woke movement that is part of it it, mm. it really did sort of wake people up and we saw that in the midterm now yeah with all the turnout people were just you know galvanized from what's happened with trump because we're just not believing that it's happening and the thing about what what he and it, what Trump's presidency has sort of put a light on is all the areas of government that we all just kind of assumed was going to be taken care of. Like it was in law. It was a law that you would have to submit your taxes or it was a law that you could, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? He's, he's really Mm -hmm. put a light on just how loose 
yeah. all that really well, was. I have never heard so many people talking about constitutional law and impeachment ever. Ever. You know, they used to do these things on like jaywalking and people didn't know who like do the president was. But now people are having these in-depth conversations mm-hmm. about like the, you know, clauses in the constitution. Right. And like, so that's another, you know, possible positive thing that like, it's actually yeah. like by, by, by breaking all these laws, it's actually making them all making people wake apparent. up. Yeah. yeah. And it's back to the whole thing about people say, even if Trump loses in 2020, he's not going to leave office. And someone was saying to me, well, he can't do that. I go, Oh, watch there. Right. There's probably 20 loopholes right. that we're just not aware of yet that he will, you know, it's, he'll put an appeal in and it'll go two years. And this mm-hmm. is how, this is how, Governments like Venezuela, this is how the leaders never left. Right. They stayed in. And, you know, I'm not quite, Bill yeah. Maher is like, Bill Maher, I don't know if you watch Bill Maher on Friday nights, but yeah. um, real time on HBO, He's he really believes Trump's not going to leave. Mm-hmm. And he'll be surround. He'll have the military and the police on his side, and he'll have all the, of course, mm. Republican senators. And he's never going to leave. Well, one of the faults of the system is that, you know, the constitution was written at a time of the enlightenment and so there was this actual idea that people who were elected would have like basic human decency and values because the enlightenment and the french revolution had this idea that people had basic goodness and rights morals and potential and, and morals and so there was kind of these loopholes and they just said well we don't have to write this in law because no one would ever possibly do that <laughs> right you know in the constitutional right. convention they talked about those things and like well we don't have to write that down and so you know that is one of the blind spots mm-hmm. of um besides other major blind spots yeah. of the constitution, but that, that we didn't, you know, so in some ways you have this kind of person. And if we survive the system, then it'll be stronger, stronger. from it. But I agree with, I think, I think you're right. It's like in a way it, it's, it's been a good thing if mm-hmm. we, if we survive. And I think we will. I mean, we, I, I never thought we would survive eight years of, of George W. Bush and right. I would like pay him to come back. You know what I mean? Well, like, be careful. <laughs> well, I would. There compared, are still other family members. Compared, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, compared to Trump, I mean, it's like, but like you said, it's always going to be now, like, it can never be as bad as Trump. But we shouldn't say that because it could be. Right. You know, we have to always remember. And I want people to be engaged. So mm-hmm. that brings me to your point. What do you think about entertainers and actors, artists who who get involved in politics? Because do you think it's a good thing? that we we should lend our voices because there's a real like fine line there you know people, I, some people want to say why don't you just stay in Hollywood yeah. and shut the fuck up and- I think you should only lend your voice in that case to um, augment the voices of people who don't have that platform of the more so it's great you know like you know if you're you know, an, an actor that's talking about politics, like do it in a way that you're trying to empower people mm-hmm. with the platform that you have and not just making it about yourself. I mean, right. I think there's like certain things that can be um, very beneficial and like actually, you know, in, in, in the environment. And so you know, those efforts like Leonardo DiCaprio and that kind of thing, right. like where it's actually helping and bringing a light to it and doing the documentary, mm-hmm. more people would see it than otherwise um, it see it. So I think there's very like, good uses of of that of your statue and power yeah the, the whole you know the green deal the climate change that's one thing your generation and younger mm-hmm. in particular are really big on and really pushing which well, we're the which, ones that can't outlast it well that's what i'm saying <laughs> so it's like yeah you know it's it's up to you and generations coming mm-hmm. after you to really wake up and do something but there is this theory that it's too late i never think it's too late i no, mean you know no. there's just it's um 
in many ways in terms of social issues as well. Like we finally were able to get gay marriage because enough older people were dying off. I mean, right. it was, it, we need the younger generation to sort of change things and mm-hmm. get rid of us. And that's part of the problem with the Senate with Mitch McConnell and some right. of those old trolls that are still, you know. Yeah. Well, one of the things is that, you know, the Senate and the House haven't kept up with the diversity that the electorate has gained. Right. So, you it know. It doesn't match. Yeah. And I think it's actually, it's slowly coming mm-hmm. more to match, although I think there's only one African-American Republican House member, you know, so it's still taking well, did time. Did he reti- but resign? Did he re- just Yeah, quit? I think he's going to quit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But there are now many more women in the Senate, in not particular. enough, but it's yeah. the, the trend is going in that direction. So I think that part of the problem is, is that the checks and balances that are created, mm-hmm. like don't have the right constituencies yet right. to achieve the sort of, um, balance that was that was envisioned originally like of the sort of idea that you continually form different majorities right. of interest so that no one party Has can take over power. yeah what, what do you think of the electoral college issue because i mean that was that was created at a time when it was an entirely different world and population wise and so you know in the last republicans have only won because of the electoral well, you know, it's funny, your, your suggestion about, um, you know, having people take a test is actually why the Electoral College was created is this fear of like direct elections. Right. So, you know, I think that there is, it would be nice to get rid of it, but then, you know, because it, it's actually not working the way that it was intended. I think. Yeah. So, but how, how know, do we do yeah, that? How do we do, yeah. you know, and uh, I, it's a question of education. Um, so I, I, I don't and, know. And rewriting the constitution. I mean, that's a big part of a lot of these problems. Right. And I wonder, which though, can be done. you know, this sort of fear of like the tyranny of the majority and that, you know, the blue states and the cities will take over. You know, I, I want to question, like, what are the interests that the, you know, you said flyover states. Right. But w- what actually would they lose in this? I mean, mm-hmm. they're just going to be given health care. I mean, right. what's the what's the, what are they giving up? Yeah. Um, and why should, shouldn't the popular vote be the vote? I mean the popular vote would be, I mean, in any other yeah. growing up in life, I mean, what else when you're in high school, when you're doing a school election, it didn't suddenly go, well, you got all the votes, but right. the committee over here decided. Well, I mean, the Senate already protects um, the small states by right. giving them all equal representation. Right. Which is a whole other issue too, because yeah. California gets the same amount, same number as Vermont right, or the Dakotas or it's like, yeah. what do they really need? Well, it's a good question. I mean, because like, you know, something like James Madison envisioned like a certain number of people being represented by a single representative. So the right. disparity between the House of Representatives and the Senate wasn't so wasn't great. so great. You know, but also James Madison didn't envision technology. And so the fact that, you know, these senators can reach their constituencies and... Um, it's a good question. How big is too big? Um, yeah. Maybe India is a, as a democracy <laughs> at a billion people is too large. Right. Yeah. Makes you think. Yeah. Makes you think. So um, what's next? What's happening? I know you've got yeah. some other well, projects. Part of the reason I, I, I've been looking so much into this idea of representation is really um, for the film project we're working on. Um, and the film is about um, a network reporter who is a disgraced reporter um, who takes to a Twitter account and then actually manipulates a special election for the Senate. Wow. So I've been looking into a lot of these issues. And, you know, you know, it fascinates me because there is even recently this story about Joe Kennedy III, who's the grandson mm-hmm. of Robert Kennedy, and he's going to run for Senate in Massachusetts. And, 
you know, this like family hold on mm-hmm. a Senate seat for, I mean, I don't even know how long. Oh. Ted Kennedy is from the 60s. He was elected. Yeah. And then you got the, his yeah, and the, cousins and, and uncles. The, and the, the, the original, the father of John F. Kennedy was a senator, I think. Yeah, but he was also a bootlegger before yeah. that. But yeah. And the Bush family, you know, was a senator. The Prescott Bush was uh-huh. a, um, and you know, the Senate seats like in uh, Michigan and the House, um, John Dingle, who was there for like 50 or 60 right. years, his wife took the seat. Right. They talked right. about Cindy McCain taking over John McCain's seat. It's like Bob, yeah. Bob Dole, yeah. Elizabeth Dole in Texas. Right. Right. And yeah. that there are these sort of like, you know, properties. So I'm thinking a lot about that and how pernicious that can be. And then also how pernicious this idea of like someone like a rogue, um, you know, someone on Twitter can actually have this uh, outsized impact. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's sort of like, which is worse and and how the Senate and that can be manipulated and just how powerful these people are, you mm-hmm. know, that they, they're elected on local issues, but outside super PACs give money the because the senators then, you know, like Mitch McConnell, like he's affecting everyone's lives and he's elected and, by- And let's not forget his wife- the Chinese wife, is yes. her family's billionaire. Elaine Chao, yeah, who's one the of secretary the huge of huge companies in China. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just one example. And now she's on Trump's cabinet. So it's right. just all so intertwined. And how the influence, you know, from in small states, like we were just talking mm-hmm. about, you know, um, states like Delaware and Montana that have very low populations can elect a senator who could become a Senate majority leader, you know, who's in line of succession for the presidency, who's I mean, look at all the things that Mitch McConnell has done. Right. And what is he, Kentucky? Kentucky, yeah. And so, you know, how do... (laughs) They might want to start with dental care first and then go from there. Well, Kentucky, actually, they have... Obamacare is very popular there. Um, They don't want to get rid of it. Strangely enough. Yeah, because it's one of the most successful implementations um, anywhere of of uninsured people yeah in kentucky of uninsured people yeah but the branding is wrong you know right branding is always a great thing to talk about too because they people are like well i hate obama but well they didn't know that affordable care act remember a lot of people didn't know it was the same thing they used a different name for it it was like it's actually obamacare that you're loving you're saying you love one and hate the other but it's the same and it's you know saving your life. So, yeah, and yeah. it's basically could be Medicare for all, but you know, that's right. beside the point. Right. Um, so yeah. So the the new script that yeah. you're talking about was there any particular reporter in that you're sort of basing it on, or is it it's sort of a kind of a combination of, of a lot of people of the power of of these people, right? Um, and to to sway opinion that have their followers that then can get retweeted. And, and followed, and then they, they can give out evidence of things that then people take as fact. Like Fox News. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, there's this great um, kind of egalitarian sense of communication, but then if it's not the right message, how wrong it can go. So it's right. great that people are allowed to subscribe to the channels that they want. But if the news isn't the news, like, should they be allowed, like, should you be allowed to buy cigarettes and alcohol See, but, if it's yeah but the, the the problem or the dilemma is if you really when you really start talking to like say a diehard fox news listener mm-hmm. they they then will say that well msnbc and CN, cnn are just as bad in the opposite direction so they believe that 
the same misinformation. It's wrong information either way. So you're playing, mm-hmm. but what, CNN plays strictly to the liberals, and Fox plays simply to the conservatives. But yeah. if you've ever flipped over, like during a, during a crisis or something, if you flip over to Fox, they're still talking about Hillary's emails. Well, yeah. There's this thing. There's this great saying. <laughs> or Benghazi. Like, yeah. That you're right to to swing your fist and at the other person's face, and so. Yes, you should be able to have your own information, but as a voter, if you're making decisions that affect other people, right, then there should be some sort of line about what the truth is. I mean, everyone's you know can can go out and go to the movies, or they can <clears throat> say and believe what they want, but they can't um, restrict their rights. And just like with gay marriage, right, right. they not, they it's fine. You can have you your can, religious belief, but you your belief shouldn't restrict people. another person's like rightful a behavior. A majority can't impose on to a minority. That's exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's why the Senate is the way it is. So be careful, though. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's the problem. Herein lies yeah. the big scary wolf. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So it's because it's interesting if you talk to a diehard social uh, conservative, mm-hmm. they will. The scary thing about a lot of the Trump voters when I see them interviewed is like they don't. They actually don't know what the issues are. They don't know what's real. They 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 believe what Trump is saying. Right. Well, I. You know, I, I got the sense that I've talked to people and a lot of those voters are motivated by rage or, you know, these this sort of anger or whatever they say. And the one good thing about that is that those are limited quantities. You know, rage mm-hmm. burns out like joy and goodness like don't. So right. that, you know, I think this as a phase can be, we can get past, past it. it. Yeah. yeah. And it, it you can't sustain that forever. Um, and, you know, I... I don't know though, but we're in the middle of it, so it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's hard because when the like, the, the Mueller investigation is very parallel to Nixon. So for me, mm. I was born in '64. You know, Watergate. I was sort of a t- kid, ten or eleven. Did I pay attention? I mean, I sort of paid it. I mean, who, what ten-year-old pays attention to it? Right. So, but it's not. Here we are, all these years later, and we never thought like Watergate would happen again. And now Trump is like Watergate time. And Mo- the Mueller report. It's almost so much more complicated that people can't figure out how right. wrong it was. Right. Well, and again, <laughs> yeah. depending on who you talk to, they 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 think Mueller was a bad guy. So, it's what's fascinating about your new project is that's what kind of all this is sort of about. Right. It's sort of wh- 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 and who's people, right. People and- who get caught up in the middle of it, and you know this sort of thing about you know, quote unquote normal people that have this outside influence and outsized right. influence and. The one thing, you know, that I, I just sort of difference of politics and entertainment, um, really believed in the script has a very much a happy ending and Mm -hmm. a happy ending in the sense that the, you know, quote unquote, right thing happens. Right. And how is that possible? But, you know, like we were talking about with the system, like if these loopholes are closed, if we take things that were precedent and make them law, you know, there is enough to salvage that the system the system was never made, you know, assuming that necessarily everyone was always going to act well, properly. it's just that they always assume that people would act in their own interests. Right. Which so, are. yeah, but you know, then if those different interests align, that, that there can still be protections, you mm-hmm. know, that, that, that as long as people know what their right. interests truly are with information, with, with education. Well, but like you said, or like we said earlier, the protections may be there, but then are the people going to enforce them? That's the problem. Like yeah. if enough people get behind a corrupt president yeah they they can keep him in office it's it's the same thing that happened with hitler years ago you know yeah. people go oh don't bring up hitler but hitler was not a hated person in the beginning 
he a lot of people liked him and he just sort of evolved and changed and my friend best friend is from Venezuela and he's mm. taught me a lot about watching what happened in that country the same way this guy came along that was sort of Trump like and he was very kind of divisive but he got mm. in then he was reelected and then he stayed, but then he was not elected and he didn't leave. And so by the time that happened, he had undermined their entire government to the point that it is now just a shithole, literally shithole country, mm. you know, with the have and the have nots and they yeah. can't get rid of him. And my, my friend's family owned this beautiful hotel for hundreds of years and it's all been taken away from them mm. and they, they had to flee and leave and come to us. So yeah. You know, and Trump loves him. Well, he loves the I mean, dictator there. I, I would hope that in the United States we have a stronger base of something than that. See, the you problem know, and, with that though is we don't. Mm. We're being shown right now we don't because mm. look at what Trump's gotten away with so far. Mm. I mean, it's, it may take. When I look at the protests in Hong Kong that have been going on, yeah, you know, you just go, oh my God, I don't know if. If enough Americans would even bother to put our phones down long enough to show up somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it is astounding when I look at Hong Kong with all the yeah. thousands of people like shutting down the airport and stuff. So I, you know, I, I just love to be able to engage with someone who actually is interested in politics because right yeah. now it seems like it's really a hundred percent one or the other. Mm -hmm. People are either fully engaged and like, like riled up about it or they just like they're they're just watching cat videos and right they've gone right. the other way right a hundred percent right yeah it's like i i don't talk about they'll say i don't talk politics like but of all times when you might want to be engaged now's the time now's the time yeah yeah well so i hope that 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 is an example to right people of you know the younger generations and that they do keep talking about stay, it without stay connected but also keep talking about it but without getting so wrapped up that you can't, you know, because that does happen too. And I oh. just been living in New York, and there's plenty of people after the few weeks after the election, they just couldn't function. It's couldn't, like, well, yeah, you know, this is the time you, you need to be functional. <laughs> there you we can't catatonic. just become like absolutely you can't get into it. I mean, yeah. it's we've okay. Look, it's three years now. We survived. Yeah, you know, of course we're we're always going to survive. Yeah, and, and but it's just I've had to sort of really stop a lot of the uh, my, the the coverage I watch also. Yeah. Because at a certain point it does become so negative. But I have noticed too though, I mean I, like in among artists and people that are creating things like there is this sense of um then importance, you mm -hmm. know, because of the time we're living in it's like, well, how is this work important? What is it saying? Right. What's the message? And I do appreciate that because mm -hmm. you're asking like when I was growing up and I think there was more of this idea of just sort of frothy entertainment, right. you know, and I mean, you mentioned Seinfeld was a show about nothing and yeah, that was literally. fine, you know, and, and so again, like another positive of as bad mm -hmm. as things are like that it is actually making people say, what is this work right. about? And and actually, and who is this work representing? And, right. and, you know, the diversity of perspective, of casting, of creative people mm -hmm. involved. And, you know, it's actually very, it's wonderful to have those conversations because, you know, different diverse writers and directors then um, bring in these new perspectives that actually make roles better right. for everyone. Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, we, we benefit from that. And it's it's a, a bad example um, a bad, you know, sort of thing mm -hmm. that's happened, but it is the way of the world that, you know, a lot of good things can come out of right. something that's bad. And that's kind of like what's with the script is that yeah. the ending is like a happy ending. It's like, well, you know, can everything go wrong? But then 
it still turn out all right. And that's sort of the idea of humility too, right. is right. Then it's, there is something that can, that can shape it. Shape and so it. we, you know, yeah. have to be engaged, but we're not, it's not all on our shoulders. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's really not black or white. No. It's all, there's a lot of gray, gray in there. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Um, so in terms of f- f- other acting stuff, like where, d- when you look ahead for your career, we all yeah. have sort of our like wishful, like we see it, you know, our careers going a certain way. I've sort of learned to just, um, let it happen, you know, that's actually what I was going to say is and, like, see what comes and right. I mean, you want to do, you want to continue to direct and more so act. Yeah. More so in, in and acting. Write. And yeah, I mean, I, and you know, when I've written, I've, you know, written roles for myself and right. that's great. But then like I was just saying, as far as being stretched by other things. And so I almost don't want to tie it down because right. I, I've created the very specific things that I want. And then I, you know, the rest of it could be anything, right. you know, it's, it's very much like, um, whatever, the universe um, brings but also once you've sort of produced and created stuff it's 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 i always tell i think all actors should try to create their own projects yeah because you're not just at the mercy of somebody else but it's also nice to show up and just not be responsible Hello, right because <laughs> you know i tend to do a lot of things you know, like, yeah I'm exactly in that way yeah but that's why people say to me like the acting thing is great because i just show up and let everyone else deal with everything I don't else. know about the insurance on this thing I don't know <laughs> I about don't really the care. yeah it doesn't matter if I bring water bottles <laughs> you know when they're saying there's checks someone's check balanced I'm like right. mine cleared now I, my I account what, yeah so when people say like people will say so so Daniel what does a producer do you know that's always a question when I produce things too and what what do you say to that? I know that's ludicrous because it's so many different types of producers. You just but make sure everything happens, keeps all the balls in the air. Yeah, I mean, but there's creative producers, yeah, who sort of are more there in terms of the script and the putting the actors together. And the, but then you have sort of the line producers, obviously, right. who handle the finances and right. stuff like that. You're you're more geared toward more towards the creative, the creative side. Yeah. And I think when I say making things happen, it's in the sense of like, you know, facilitating conversations and, you know, people speak very different languages. There's like the very technical and some directors are very Mm -hmm. technical versus like being working with actors. Every actor has their own kind of process. Yeah. And I think it's also helpful, you know, for a creative producer to sometimes give a sense of, you know, how is this work going to be positioned, Mm -hmm. you know, in the market or, and actually can help the actors in the sense of genre or what we're going for, how this fits in versus other films, you know, because it's a question of like, you know, what are we all doing besides our thing? Yeah. Our, our individual thing that's cordoned off from everybody. final product. (laughs) And in today's world, thank God for all these platforms, you know, like I, there's no way, like I can't keep up as a viewer, I have no yeah. idea who else, but as an actor, it's such a blessing to have all these potential jobs or whatever. But I'm yeah. re- like, I'll read in the trades and I'll say like, you know, s- such and such show canceled after three seasons. And I'm like, what? I've never even heard of it. Right. Like, where was it? But, oh. it, but it'll still be there. So if you want to go well, watch yeah, it, it's streaming, but yeah. I'm just still like, oh, wait, I've never even, when did three seasons? I missed what? Yeah. When was the first two? But because they're, you know, Hulu, Amazon, yeah. now every network has their own streaming, which is fantastic. It's- well, you know, I was once, I was talking to a Broadway producer and he said this thing. He said, you know, the reason I like to do Broadway is that I can actually see everything. Right. Every season. You, that's true. 
And he's and even off you know the off Broadway. I mean, if he's they're like, going to keep adding, yeah. Evan, if they're going to move Broadway over to there's Fifth, fewer and fewer though. Actually, I know. yeah. But it would yeah. be the idea that they just suddenly start putting theaters on other streets, yeah. right? <laughs> and then it would be a time where like, well, I can't get to all these shows, right? Right. Yeah. But That's now you what's can happened. see everything, and yeah. you're kind of seeing too. Um, when we talked about earlier, where people were making content now it was always about getting your product in the in the movie theater Mm -hmm. you would do a film and it was all about the big premiere and whatever and tv was sort of a different genre now it's really flipped where most films today are marvel Mm -hmm. and concept movies if it's not a children an animated it's a big explosion action you're really to me the really quality films character driven kind of stuff Mm -hmm. is all going to netflix and the vod uh platforms right and that's where we're seeing in television the big movie stars are all doing tv now because that's where the quality scripts are i think it's like different artists and different media i mean you look at the marvel films and you see like amazing artists mm-hmm. in the sense of the visual designers and the right. know, the effects and I mean there's incredible visuals in those movies oh, yeah. and Doctor Strange and the but things the that they create could just be created yeah yeah and I think a lot of the actors have even said that in interviews you know that they're they're just they're like posed and they uh-huh. look a certain direction and green screened and CGI you know yeah. so yeah yeah so I think it's it is exciting for certain artists and then the other acting artists are finding television in there, you know, cause yeah. I, I do love those, um, those movies. And it's kind of always been, I feel like, you know, there, there were always the sort of prestige, like mm-hmm. the acting pictures that get nominated for Academy Awards. Right. And then there's the ones that everyone goes and sees. The, the, the ones that make the money. <laughs> right. They're starting to blend a little bit, but right. yeah, it's just, I mean, I love it as a, as an actor. Yeah. We're, we're living in this time of just, incredible opportunity Mm. you know and then like you said but in terms of like political shows you'll see all that whoops you'll see um political shows a lot of the shows that have a lot of depth are ending up on cable and the streaming services is there a show anything now that you're like really hooked on in terms of like for me i watch i watch tons of reality and i watch a few scripted but is there are you into any certain like is there a show you either have to t- you t- you DVR it and you watch it, or is there like uh, Sunday nights I'm watching? I have to say honestly, I watch a lot of like films. films. I tend to like yeah, watch not a lot more like movies and yeah. not as much television. Like if television, you know, like I'll watch like a whole season, but I feel like it's like a long. Do you binge? Movie. Will you actually sit down and watch? Because I can't get through like more than two at one time. I not really. My attention yeah, I, span I, is. I also feel like I'm not doing it justice after about two or three of them. I feel like I'm not right. getting it. And so I try to, yeah, I try to stop. But my problem is I just can't find the time to go back to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's, cause there's so much to do in the world. I, yeah. My friends who say, oh, I binged like Game of Thrones in a weekend. I'm like, well, what did you, did you leave the house? What did I don't you? think they do. I can't do that. I, I have too much going on. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, well, listen, the time has flown. So yeah. great. Thank you. We could talk forever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for, thank you for, for having being me here. Yeah. Everyone, remember, uh, go to Amazon and mm-hmm. find loyalty. And you can find... Tell- I think it comes up first in the search now. And, in loyalty. Oh, really? If you type in loyalty, it's... Yeah, so you should be able that's to find great. it. Yeah. Um, do you want to give the name of the new project that's going to come out, or do you want to wait? We'll wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll wait. wait. Yeah, we'll, we'll have Daniel will be back to promote that. Yeah, as well. I'd love to. And um, everyone, once again, Daniel Matura, thank you so much for joining us. And thank everyone, you so much. You've been listening to One on One with Jasper Cole, and we will see you next time. Peace out. <laughs>
Bye. Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.